How's it going, ladies and gents? This is Christian with Liberty After Dark. Just to give a real quick intro, this is the first live stream that we did solo uh, outside of the Liberty Means Patreon members group. So a lot of this was just testing. It's just going to be me. We go over a whole bunch of topics uh, from talking about some of the Democratic strategies and the upcoming 2020 campaign and how they're spinning some of the news on the Mueller report. This episode is a few weeks old, so sorry it took me a while to get this one out there, but you know, I've got a, got a lot of stuff going on, but no more excuses. I'm just going to let you guys listen to this one. Enjoy the show. All right, looks like everything's still working. So we're going to get right into this. Welcome, one and all, to the first public broadcasting of Liberty After Dark. This is a, a big step forward for me, I think. Um, leaving the confines of the Liberty Memes Patreon members and being here on the open airwaves is cool. It's it's new. It's interesting. We got all sorts of new stuff. If you guys share the stream, it'll pop up right over, I think, in, in this area right here with a little banner. Uh, the chat is automatically scrolling and is in this box over here. So uh, Ryan's telling me to get into it. So we're obviously ready to start this. Uh, I've, I've got all sorts of new little toys and whatnot over here. So let, let's just go straight into this. Let's talk about the the topic of the century, as some people are calling it the extremely uh interesting release of the full quote-unquote Mueller report so uh david well i'll talk to you after the stream's over if, if you're still up uh maybe we can go over to patreon members and chat or something but I, I'll, I'll tell you my secrets so oh well allison wants me to talk about something so if you guys aren't following this page yet or the community group i posted some stuff on there like some polls and whatnot and uh yeah, exactly. Ryan's Ryan's on it right here. So I, I bought a bunch of stuff on Amazon last night. I bought all, all sorts of stuff. I bought lights because I don't like the fact that I'm more backlit than I am forward lit. I got a new green screen coming in. And I mean, I got like a full light setup. So like it's a, like a wall mounted lights. There's one that goes in front, a halo light that goes on top of my monitor around my, my camera and then two side lights so that it's all shadowless. Uh, I'll be very well lit up. I'll never be able to wear my glasses on stream again. Um, I got a stream deck. I mean, it's, you know, it's all coming together. So, and, and that, that green screen I got is huge, but it all folds up and, and goes in this little thing. So that that's nice. I did want it to be like something semi portable in case we ever decide to do this anywhere other than right here. So always good, cool stuff. We're moving, we're getting things done. Um, but like I said, we're, we're, we're onto the topics now. So I just promised that, uh, I, I would talk about that. So I went ahead and, and threw it out there. Um, if you, if you want to stay up to date with stuff like that, please like the Facebook page, send a request to the community group. I think a few of you guys here are admins to that. So it's always a, a you know, usually someone is up to approve your requests and we're not going to deny anybody. We just want it to be as open as possible, uh, without being just bombarded by bots and stuff like that. So, but yeah, like I was saying, so the Mueller report dropped. Uh, do we really care about this as as libertarians, as people who uh, enjoy freedom, as people who have the perspective that we do? Uh, I personally don't. Not really. Uh, nothing that's in this document surprises me that has, has come out. Obviously, I have not read all 400 some odd pages of it. I think that's pretty you know obvious to say. Uh, I don't think I have to elaborate too much on that. But what I will say is... Uh, there is quite an uproar over this. Ryan here says he hates freedom. I uh, I certainly hope not. This would definitely be the wrong show for you if you do, but maybe you'll, you'll pick up something interesting instead. Um, what I will say is that it is, uh, it is very interesting to watch the reactions from what is coming out from each side of, of the debate. So... You have this, you know, Elizabeth Warren is really the one who's who's spearheading this effort, but it's definitely a big push towards impeachment, which I think is kind of interesting because there's not really much that has come out that isn't either things that were already either speculated, alluded to, or just flat out already said. So there's, it's not really like we have too much new information coming on here. There's, there's just a constant flow of, uh, a verification of things that we already either knew or a release of embarrassing state statements like 
there was a section where uh, Donald Trump said that, oh, this is the end of my presidency. And I think, you know, it's stuff like that that makes him, him look like he's scared of stuff that comes out. Uh, whether he actually is or not is not up for me to say, but he definitely has. Uh, there's some there's some interesting quotes from that report. There's some interesting people who they were able to to speak to. A lot of Trump aides and people like that who were directly directed, directly directed by Mr. Johnny T to uh, not cooperate with an investigation against him, who just flat out, you know refuted that and then told the investigation that they were told not to cooperate with the investigation. So again, why, why does all of this matter? Does it matter? Um, the Republicans are kind of happy that it's all come out because there isn't, like I said, anything that's like completely damning and the, the Democrats and, and just the, the left in general is having a, a freaking field day with this. Um, they are taking, every period comma exclamation point punctuation apostrophe colon and trying to extrapolate that out as far as it will go and it, it's an enjoyable process to watch i'm not gonna lie as much as i can uh, sometimes knock on them pretty hard for their ability to make some extremely leaps uh, large leaps and bounds in logic it has it has been quite the wild ride um Elizabeth Warren specifically has kind of been championed as of, of recent uh, as being the, the spearhead for the impeachment movement right now, especially after the release of the new Mueller report. And that is something that I think is more of a presidential election gambit to try to reinvigorate her campaign that completely fell on its face after her announcement. Uh, she really shot herself in the foot with the whole... Native American one 1024th thing, which we've talked about multiple times. So I'm not going to go back into that again. But what I will say is that it's, it's pretty interesting to see how it, her, how she's, she's taking this new angle at her, her campaign and then really running with it. So there's this interesting idea that it, it or well, it's not really an interesting idea. It's more of like a an exploration on how campaigns work that the sooner you can get your dirt out in a campaign, the better you can deal with it, right? Or or the less people will care because people get desensitized to something after amount of time. So there's without a doubt uh, a, a negative reaction towards Elizabeth Warren's initial campaign uh, to her initial advertising to the whole Native American incident that happened uh, from, from all sides. She was destroyed by the right. She was destroyed by the left. Her campaign was basically seen as a joke after that. And she later on has decided to sort of, now that the heat has come off of all of that, she's kind of rebranding herself as the, the spearhead of impeachment. And even when Donald Trump's almost out of office, whenever he has obviously not been impeached, they're definitely going to, look at this and she's going to say, oh, well, I, I was pushing for him to get kicked out of office, which to the very far and even some of the moderate crowds is a is a big deal. Uh, people care about stuff like that. Uh, Ryan here says Trump took my bunt socks in peach. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you 100 percent. That it is definitely uh, a Second Amendment violation to have the bump stock bans, which is a problem. But uh, I will say it is probably not a good idea to impeach Trump, even if we were to uh, have a, a justification like a, a constitutional violation to do so. It is definitely more of a I, I, I don't like the idea of having uh, any anybody else who's in the, the chain up there in, in office. I mean, I really I, I've made no pretending towards anything like this or i've made no illusions otherwise i'm not a huge fan of donald trump i don't think most of us here are if you've listened to the show before um you you may be a fan that's a possibility i think if you know you are into that sort of thing that's an interesting way of, of going about it but uh i i'm not a huge fan and i don't know if impeachment is is the right answer either way uh, eric here says true it would take an impeachment to make warren even moderate real moderately relevant if if donald trump was impeached after her going on this massive campaign towards trying to push for impeachment it would do absolute wonders for her campaign absolute wonders 
Uh, she's like I said, she would take full credit for it, and you know whether or not it would be deserving is not necessarily my uh, you know realm of expertise. But I, I would say uh, it would it would be really good for her campaign. I, I don't see it happening. I really don't. This Mueller report, from what I've read, from what has come out, from the most damning pieces that have been released so far, is, is little more than a, a lot of embarrassing statements. So I did want to get that out of the way from the very beginning, that there isn't really any anything revolutionary in this Mueller report. What's more interesting is people's reactions to its releasing. And I think to a certain extent, it's all kind of predictable, right? Like the Republicans pretty much unquestionably defend Trump minus a couple of outliers who will probably get replaced in their upcoming elections if if the seat is seen as relevant enough. But just to catch up with the comments real quick, Olivia says, can't watch tonight, but wanted to say hi uh, and that I love your streams. We'll definitely watch this later. Fantastic. It'll also eventually come out as a podcast. I know I'm really far behind on that. So it is, uh, yeah, something that I've got to work on. But Dave actually here in the chat, David and Mary, I believe, are both here at the moment. And they run a show called Liberty Late Night, which if you haven't ever heard of that before, you obviously don't listen to my show either. So <laughs> you guys need to check them out really good stuff they launched a patreon you should go support them they give us fantastic free content the least we can do is is give them just a little bit of our support back but i won't stick on that any longer so i think there is something really interesting to dissect about this whole escapade that we have going on and this is more of a dissection of the last geez 20 years of American politics, and it's just kind of a self-perpetuating cycle at this point. But we have this almost, I mean, it's not almost, it's a, it's a pretty predictable reactionary pattern to events that happen, right? So say, for example, we have this Mueller report. I could have told you, minus, again, a couple of outlying situations where something is released in the Mueller report that has a, an absolute... Uh, you know, damning piece of evidence that was somehow not included in any of the other ports or, or wasn't redacted. And, you know, you, uh, barring something like that, I could pretty much tell you what the reaction was going to be. The Republicans are going to say nothing in this matters the day it releases without reading any of the 450 pages and the day it releases without reading any of the 400 and what is it? 450, 480, whatever it is. The, the left would have come out and said, Oh, this is it. We got to impeach Trump. So that is a uh, that is definitely a, a very predictable situation to be in, and I think it's almost too predictable. It's it's kind of interesting how little effort, little cognitive effort it takes to to say, oh well, neither side is going to be objective about this. They're going to run off of their narrative, and they're going to to push it as hard as they can without even looking at the piece of evidence, you know always going towards the narrative, very, very minimal amounts of objectivity. Sometimes you'll get someone who really stands out, who really goes out of their way to be as objective as possible. And that's always a fun time. But what, um, what usually happens is, is I, you know, like, let's say, let's say Nancy Pelosi kicks someone in the face tomorrow. Uh, the reaction would be pretty much immediately, uh, predictable I, the, the left would say like ah they probably deserved it and that would be their justification or something like that they would try to spin it as if nancy was like a victim in the situation and kicking them in the face was the only way to to empower themselves get out of the situation i don't know i don't know how exactly how they would do it but something like that and the republicans would talk about how how just maniacal and crazy it's 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 like without even without even thinking about it you could just split off and you know, <laughs> immediately take something like that and, and just run with it. And all you have to do is just put it in the position of the narrative. You just have to say, what does the narrative say? Let's take this example and let's customize it to fit the narrative. It's, uh, oh, it's almost kind of annoying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so the question is, what can we do? What can, what can we as, as the third option, I suppose, or as, as people outside of the establishment, what can we do about this issue with the narrative? Um, and this kind of ties into a piece of fan mail that I got 
that I'm going to read. It's not very long. It's just a little critique of, of me. And I want to kind of dissect what's it, what it says and not to attack the person. Uh, like, I'm not going to give any names or anything like that. But I think what they said was interesting. And I wanted to talk about it here. I say fan mail. It's more it's more of just like a uh, an email critique. So um, if you guys don't know, we have an email. Contact at libertyafterdark.net where you can send me any anything you want about the show as long as it's not like extremely derogatory but i got it open right here it's just a little short blurb it says uh audio quality sounds great uh, my only complaint is you're constantly bashing republicans when are you going to talk about the issues on the other side so that's all it says and i think maybe you guys in the chat can correct me i don't know if i bash conservatives more than I do liberals. I I don't know if that's true. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have to listen to all of my shows back. I think I've talked about the Green New Deal and AOC ad, ad nauseum multiple times <laughs> just because of how much these people blow my mind. But um, I, I, I want to make it clear that I, I'm not, I don't have any leaning towards one side or the other. There's not, it's not like I prefer republicans over democrats or i i like i tolerate them more or no they're let's just be completely okay let, i'm gonna level with you guys they're all statists okay and in the worst way possible both sides and that's an issue i i give neither of them my sympathy neither side deserves any sort of of pity so if it feels like I'm focusing on one side that you might identify with over another, it's not my goal to come out and attack you personally. What my goal is, is to talk about things that are relevant to the current conversation and implement them in a conversation about liberty. Uh, so if the Republicans are making fools of themselves, I'm going to bash some Republicans. If the Democrats are making fools of themselves, I'm going to bash some Democrats. And if they're both making fools of themselves, which they usually are, I'll just bash both like I usually do. So <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. Um, I, it was an interesting piece of fan mail that I got. And I, I you know, first piece, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you contacting me. That's what the email is for. So you can get your opinions out there. And uh, you may be in this live chat right now for all I know. And if you are. Um, I hope I at least answered your concerns a little bit. It's not my intention to be attacking anyone's personal beliefs, I guess. But if you're a statist, I'm going to call you a statist. I hope that makes sense to everybody. <laughs> Just like if you were a commie, I would call you a commie. Or if you were a dictator, I would call you a dictator. If you're a statist, I'm going to call you a statist. So if you don't like that, um, exactly. Mike says it perfectly right here. Status in a state. So uh, the, I, I don't know if that mean, needs too much more addressing. But what I will say is, that, again, for the last time, I'm not trying to attack you personally or your beliefs. I'm trying to frame what is going on around the perspective of liberty. And a lot of times that means picking on one of the sides that is out right now. If the Republicans release Trump care tomorrow, we would have an entire episode on Trump care and how stupid Trump care was an entire episode. We talked about bump stocks for hours whenever the bump stock ban hit. So, you know, and I bashed the crap out of them. That's probably exactly what they're talking about actually, but <laughs> I have some more topics lined up, but if you guys have anything that's on your mind, again, really big focus on engagement with the chat here. I want to see, you know, we have more people than we usually do. Uh, so if, if you guys want to get engaged, if you guys have any topics that you want to talk about, you can also throw that at me as well. I'm pretty much an open book as long as I'm informed on the topic. I try not to make any just complete uh, fabrications. Uh, sometimes I'll give like an initial impression to a story or something, but I, I, I don't typically like to talk about something that I'm not at least somewhat educated on. But that that's just me personally. So we had the Mueller report. Uh, we had Elizabeth Warren pushing for impeachment. So this is something that's been going on for a long time, too. Pretty long time, anyways, relatively speaking. We have this anomaly of people inside of the 
really, okay, well, let's look at this from the perspective of the left, right? So we're, we're staying in the realm of politics here for a second because I want to kind of dissect the, the, the human psychology that's going into uh, the news outlets for how, how they're going to frame this 2020 election. Uh, and you're seeing a lot of posts coming out. I don't know if, how many of you guys follow left-leaning news outlets. I think it's important to get a well-rounded you know, uh, interpretation of what's going on. So I like to keep it as open as possible. So I've seen a couple articles from CNN. I have one open right here from The Guardian, for example, uh, in their U.S. politics sections. It says, if we can keep it, review how Trump happened and how America might survive. So we're seeing a lot of, of stuff framed around this. And while I fundamentally agree that Trump was a reaction to a hyper-aggressive left in a culture that is not open to progressive ideologies uh, to, to a larger extent, though the longer progressivism is allowed to perpetuate, the more of an issue we have going forwards of it being normalized, we have we have an issue where and this kind of goes back to like the whole NPC thing. It's almost like a dehumanization of people who voted for Trump. Cause I think there were legitimate needs in the people who voted for Trump that they were hoping would be fulfilled. Um, and, and so that's something that I've seen a lot of, I've been seeing a lot of this, this talk that's like, ah, well, we just won't let the, the inbred whack job rednecks vote next time. And we won't, uh, we won't get another Trump. But I, I do want to catch up with some of these comments. I Just something to, to ponder on for a second. Kane says, The problems we face are not merely a system, not merely an organization, but the minds of the people. The ideology of the population is what we need to change. I agree. That's why we're doing this right now. We're talking about you know, what we can do. I try to frame it as much as possible, what we can do. Because there are a lot of cases where the system is not going to change for us. Um, we have to look at things that we can do to, to change it in at least our own lives. Mike asks, is it Mueller or Mueller actual argument in the break room between a red status and a blue status? I say Mueller. It's probably Mueller, honestly. Um, I think Mueller was the one that I heard first whenever this was all really starting to kick off. And I think I just stuck with it. Um, it was never something that I really thought of, but I, I have heard it said both ways. Like, I think, I think Ben Shapiro says Mueller investigation, but I think... Uh, a couple other news outlets say Mueller. So I don't know. Uh, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> it is something definitely for the chat room, Google uh, verification squad. And Celeste here says we did a happy 420 cake for an order today. That is outstanding. Um, I, I'm very happy to see that. Oh, did you guys see that uh, the report came out about Canada's legalized weed problem. So essentially what's happening, and this is, ha this is obviously happening in California too, but Canada has done a, a bit of research on this, an extensive amount of research, one might say, towards this topic. And they've essentially concluded that their black market is stronger than ever because it is harder than ever to enforce drug possession crimes because they for most part don't exist unless you have extreme quantities, but let's just say you got to the corner, whether you do drugs or not, but let's just, let's just put this in the perspective of why this is failing. You go out to your guy in the middle of the street right now. And you know, yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Swap the $20, you know, get your little baggie and then go home. You gotta, you know, you do the double take, make sure no one's watching you, you know, maybe he hit it somewhere. You gotta go get it. Something like that. But, in, in Canada, it's not as difficult because you don't have to worry about the crime of possession. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder the whole way back home. You just have to be looking over your shoulder as the exchange is happening. So if, if, if the police aren't there for whenever the exchange happens, there's no way for them to enforce that ex an exchange ever occurred. Maybe in Canada, there's a way that they could spin that, but it's definitely not a... Uh, not, it would not be an easy easy case for them to break. Uh, so what is essentially happening is the black market is doing better than ever because it's easier to, for them to get weed. It's easier for people to get weed. It's 
a cheaper option. So it's even the people who wanted it legalized are saying, why can I do that when my buddy Ricky's got the same shit for 10 bucks? And the issue is, and I don't think a lot of people understand this, is, or at least on the left particularly, maybe the right does and they just don't like it, but black markets are free markets. Just think about that for a second. Black markets are free markets. They don't have to worry about tariffs, essentially. You know, there's no government mandating trade that has they have to go through in order to ship internationally, in order to ship, you know, across state lines, anything like that. They definitely have to they're not definitely, they have complete freedom of, of business. The only thing they have to worry about is getting customers. And Rusty here says the black market is simply a response to the government regulations and bullshit. Uh, you're, you're right. Rusty says, I heart the black market. 100%. You're right. It's a free market. It really is. Uh, you can talk as much crap as you want about you know whatever organized crime may be perpetuating it. It is a free market. This is how the free market should be running. If you wanted to grow some dank kush out of your house and sell it to your neighbor, you should be able to, right? You shouldn't need to go to weed school for eight years to study weedology to, you know, grow some potted plants in your backyard or hydroponics or however you want to do it and sell it to other people. That is ridiculous. That is super statist. Uh, there's, there's absolutely no reason to do so. The transaction between two adults is, is, will be the consent for the purchasing of this. So again, whatever your personal position is on illicit substances like that, um, I think it's something to important, important to talk about on, on, on 420 is that we've seen that legalization and taxation of the products doesn't work. That was something I used to say when I was a statist, when I was a little teenage constitutional conservative, I used to say like, yeah, just legalize weed and tax the crap out of it because that's how your brain thinks as a little statist. You're like, oh, we can make so much money off of, of taxing it. We can like fund more tanks and go blow up more brown people or something. Uh, don't clip that. <laughs> we could, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's just how their brain works and that's a, it's an issue it's something we have to overcome. But what they're not seeing is that we have a perpetuation of a free market in a vacuum that needs one. There is a need for a cheaper product. It can be supplied at a cheaper rate. It's going to be supplied. It doesn't matter if it's an AK-47 or it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Blue Mountain Reggie Dank Kushness. I don't, you know... <laughs> Yeah, Mike says, where'd you learn that cheech weed school? You know? <laughs> and you know what? If 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 somebody wanted to start a a weed trade school and people would go there to learn how to be the best weeders on planet Earth, go for it. That's great. My issue is with the excise tax that is placed on it. I mean, I think that's technically what it is. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I believe it's just like a, a tax on liquor or gas. It's an excise tax. There's a tax on a specific product, usually considered something like a luxury. I don't know if gas taxes would count in there, but you know, cigarettes, liquor, weed, whatever, wherever you are. And this is one of the things that you always have to look at is like a, a give and take sort of thing. It's like, so you may not be locked up in a cage. It's harder for them to lock you up in a cage, but you have to pay a stupid amount of money for it. Or you can just keep using the black market at significantly lower risk. Like, is it that it's not worse than it was? I think we can all agree on that. It's not worse than it was, but it's not as good as it could be. Um, Larry Sharp often says, and I know he gets a lot of mixed opinions in this group, but he, you know, his, his favorite thing is if you like your dealer, keep your dealer. I think that is one of the best slogans for a libertarian I have ever seen ever. Um, you know, and I, I haven't even partaken in that stuff in years, long time. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I can't help but uh, crack up to every time because not only is it a parody of the, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor, which is genius, by the way, genius. But, you know, that that's what we want. We want a, a true, not, not a legalized, highly taxed, we want decriminalized. And that's, that's the goal. And I, I enjoy that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. 
Uh, Kane says, I would have thought schools would have set uh, or would have set up by now. Here in Oz, we have a bloke trying to establish a university. Nice. That is interesting. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Oz means Australia. Oh, so where was I? Yeah. Perpetuation of the black market. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada. Libertarian NPC talking point. No, I'm just kidding, though. I, I often like to look at where have black markets set up in other areas in the past. Uh, and it's pretty much every time something gets too out of control that is producible on the local scale. So the reason that you haven't seen a lot of black market gasoline is because uh, it's difficult to produce gasoline. Uh, you need a very large facility to do so. But we have seen a, a, a slight rise in alternatives to gasoline to try to offset some of the some of the market demands for cheaper gas, which, you know, for those of you guys up north, it's or Cali or I think it's mass, I, I believe. Yeah, y'all's gas is ridiculously expensive. Uh, don't come to Texas, please, for the love of God, stay there. But <laughs> Texas has a lot of problems. Expensive gas is not one of our problems, thankfully. We just have a, a lot of a lot of other problems. So I would like to say that without a doubt, one of the most depressing things that I'm not looking forward to for the 2020 election is going to be this big push, I believe, that is going to happen in from, from pretty much both sides to try to clamp down on the opposition. Um, we're sort of seeing this already in, well, from both sides, actually. I made a meme about this months and months and months ago because uh, I'm lame enough to make some OC. But there was a lot of conversation about packing the courts. The left was like, ah, the second we get Trump out of here, we got to pack the Supreme Court. We'll, we'll make some backroom deals. A couple people, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give them whatever. Suicide them in the back of the head. We'll pack the courts. And then the Supreme Court will be ours for decades. And so you got Brett Kavanaugh in, which is a total shame. I mean, that man... His involvement in the Patriot Act alone was enough for me to not want him in the Supreme Court. Because obviously he knows nothing about the Constitution. Not that it matters anyways, because the Constitution's bunk and so is the Supreme Court. But hey, you know, if we're going to go on this crazy train. <laughs> Kane says we're paying almost eight bucks a gallon. Good Lord. Sorry, I, I know we're backtracking some Australian gasoline. That is ridiculous. Eight bucks a gallon. You just call it petrol there, I think, but... Jesus, man, yeah, we're, we're not even close to that. That is that is a nightmare situation over there. I think Cali's still in like the fives or something like that. They have been for a while. A buck 80 a liter. Holy crap, that hurts. I just want to say before we get back to the conversation, Mike here says, I'm glad you clarified on Oz. I thought it was on an old HBO series. The 2020 election is going to be awful. I've worked so hard for... Uh, growing the Libertarian Party, but there doesn't seem to be any interest in anyone worth running right now. I'm just glad it's not Weld. Yeah. So Bill Weld, the epic trader, uh, has completely pieced out of the Libertarian Party. Once again, he's back to being a Republican. Um, he's going to run again because Bill Weld is nothing if not an excellent exercise in the, the poignancy of futility. How about that? How about we say that? Um, he came to the Libertarians because he was unelectable. We picked him up because he had a political history. Turns out he's unelectable. Um, and then he goes back to the Republicans because he was unelectable as a Libertarian because he was a Republican. Um, and that's saying something coming from the Libertarian Party, which are pretty much Republicans light. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. They're constitutional conservatives taking an extra step. So... Oh, yeah. He says it's hard to keep up with the topic of conversation by typing. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> My Welds is about as cool as Nickelback. Yeah, I have no issue talking massive crap about that guy. Um, very, very disappointed. And, in, in, you know, we've seen this in the past. We will continue to see it. I've talked about the Libertarian Party much, 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 much more before this. If you haven't seen any of the episodes yet go and listen to them they're all they come up all the time but um there's 
there's a certain kind of string of events where every couple of years we get some jag off from outside the party who comes in and tries to hijack it. Um, not even really that it needs, it doesn't need hijacking. It needs guiding is what it needs. Um, Libertarian Party is not in a good place right now. Uh, I can I commend Larry Sharp and his efforts to say, like, if you don't like the Libertarian Party, fix it. I, I respect that. I wish more people were saying stuff like that because then we might be able to get something done. But I'm kind of skeptical. So it's it's something that you have to, you have to be constantly mindful of um, is that... It, we are trying to, a lot of us, I won't say all of us, but a lot of like transitarians, as I call us, the people who don't want some kind of violent revolution or anything like that to start a better tomorrow. Whether you want a minarchy or an anarchist society, both both can fit into the transitarian category. A lot of them want to reform the Libertarian Party to push us in at least an extremely small minarchy. And then uh, what's the quote? I can't remember who said it. Uh, I want the government or I don't want to get rid of the government. I just want it to be small enough so we can drown it in the tub. Uh, that's a quote who from a guy I can't remember the name of. It's a uh, definitely something that we have to consider is a to a certain extent, minarchists and anarchists are allies against statism uh, until you start saying, you know, minarchists are like, oh, no, 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 I like this. And then you you completely branch off from there. A lot of fundamental disconnects there. But again, like I said, there's if if they banded together the two sides to reform the Libertarian Party, they could get a lot of stuff done. But it's always important to remember that as you are trying to do this there are other people who are trying to hijack the libertarian party as well you have all of these people who were pretty much i'm assuming raised republicans who come over and these are where you get your wall libertarians which if any of you are wall libertarians somebody hold my beer please somebody hold my beer because man it's you know that's that is a that is that's a real humdinger of a of a thought you got going on there, and I would love to to dissect your processes through it. And if anybody says in the chat, well, don't you don't you have a door on your house, or don't you have walls on your house, or something like that? Rusty says I work with a wall libertarian. No, you work with a republican. I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna say that. I was the guy who, like, two episodes ago said, like, we can't be, like, checking everybody. Like, oh, you're not, you're an anarchist and you don't want to sell AKs to babies. Like, you're not a libertarian. A wall, that's just not a thing. That's like saying you're a libertarian who wants more military spending. That's not a thing. Like, you're a libertarian who doesn't want to balance the budget or at the minimum or pay off the debt. That's not a thing. It's like, why even call yourself that? Like, be, be honest with yourself. Just come out of your ideological closet and, and just get over it. You know, I mean, you don't, I used to, I used to knock on libertarians when I was like a teenager for this. I was like, ah, eh, they're just like hipster Republicans because it's so true. There are so many of them that are just like, oh, bro, I smoke weed. Like, I don't like the gays, but I smoke weed. Like we, I could be a libertarian. Like, that's not how this works, buddy. <laughs> Ah, and I know that's that's hyperbolic. I know it is. I'm sorry, but but I I will say it's it's kind of true in a lot of cases. That'd be like if Mike Pence came over to the Libertarian Party after this and was like, eh, I can't win as a Republican, so I'm just gonna you know I was VP, so now now I'm gonna go over to the Libertarian Party and try to be president or something. Yeah. Oh man, he calls me a commie because I'd prefer open borders. Uh, he shuts up when I name all the communist socialist countries that have walls. I mean, I think that's um, what's the word I'm looking for here. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's like a like a bad line of logic. I don't necessarily believe that it's super pertinent to today. Because um, I mean, you don't like you. You have an extremely large amount of freedom of movement in the EU, and they're like socialists as hell, essentially. So. It's it's something that you have to consider. I'm not I'm not defending them. I'm just saying like you know that that is a very old school. Like, uh, Kane says 
there's only two people, those for humanity and those against humanity. It's a bit complex, but rather simple. Our only hope is education of the rest of the population. How to educate is the question. I'm only a crowbar swinging opal miner, but I believe showing people the lifestyle and the benefits of living a self-governed free will on the foundation of do no harm. Oh, hold on. Sorry. I got to open this up a little bit. Uh, foundation of do no harm, take no harm. Yeah, no, see, that's good. That's like the core tenets of libertarianism. Like if you can follow the nap, I think everything else just kind of lines into place. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I know there are a lot of libertarians who don't like the nap. Okay, but you know, we can have a discussion about the nap. That's fine. I think there's some debate to be had there. I don't necessarily know if it's the most compelling debate, but there is some debate to be had there. Um, but if you can follow the nap, and do what Kane said, you can be a successful libertarian. I, I would I would add something to the effect of like minding your own business too. Um, because some people like to interject themselves into situations that they definitely don't have to. And that is an issue as far as libertarians are concerned. Uh it comes in a lot when you're talking about like nap violations and stuff like that. Uh people interject themselves into a situation that they don't fully understand. Problem. Big problem. Just saying. Not that I'm ignoring you, Celeste, but I, I did see your imminent domain is theft comment. Uh, if you guys would like to talk about imminent domain, we can. But, um, you know, I think that just as part of, of the wall discussion, really, it's just if a government comes by and tells you like, hey, we're going to we're going to take this land and you say, uh, hell no, that's my land. I own it. Well, first off, jokes on you. None of us own anything here. So you know, whatever. We're all just renting from the federal and state governments who the state governments who rent from the federal government, which is just, mm, man, we're hitting a lot of these, like these, my favorite topics today, just things that I'm just, yes. Like that is the sauce. Like I don't even like, if you have a house, you could have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. It isn't even yours. Bam. <laughs> that is, that is just so great. Uh, I agree with the nap, but also a preemptive defense option. It's a gray area. Kane, there's, um, I won't get too far into the nap. I know one time we went on like a multi-hour rabbit hole with the nap, just going through like every scenario. But what I will say is that, uh, if, if a threat is, if a threat is credible, then there is a justification to use, uh, a measurable and reasonable as, as noted in the nap, uh, level of force to defend yourself. And then if you're wrong in your use of force, which will probably come out afterwards, you're going to be punished for it. So like for an example, like you could say, uh, what do I usually say? It's like if someone comes up to you with a knife and they're all crazed and they're like, ah, I'm going to stab you and rip your entrails out. I would expect you to punch them before they stabbed you uh, or disarm them at the minimum. Uh, you know, or, or shoot them. They're threatening your life. But if like a 10 year old comes up to you or like a five year old and says like, ah, I'm going to stab you and rip your entrails out. Like you could probably justify it in the nap somehow. Like, oh, my life's being threatened. Let me pull out my AA 12 with the timed grenade rounds and blow this five year old away. But, uh, again, I would think, I would think that your, uh, Initial reaction should always be to make the most reasonable and measured response at the same time. So I would I would suggest not blowing a five-year-old away with an AA-12 just because you can justify it within some crazy nap. But so Iraq is like the 10-year-old. Pretty pretty much, Rusty. That's an interesting way of looking at it. If he actually said entrails, I'd think he was crazy enough to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. Like, if, like I said, if some, some adult dude came up to me with a knife, well, maybe the 10-year-old too. I don't know. So, but, you know, again, we're, we're, this is part of the problem with the nap is that it's all subjective. So you just have to be able to sell your case. Um, if someone asks, like, oh, my God, why did you shoot this five-year-old? You have to be able to sell your case. So uh, the sense of ownership is a buggy for me. Oh, a buggy for me. Okay. Glad you're on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's just part of the deal. I, I believe personally, like once you, if you go full anarchist, you know, let's say you, you leave minarchy behind, if any of you are minarchists and you go full anarchists and you, you drop the constitution, you go full spooner, as some might say, you have a, uh, 
You really have to find something. You do, because you either have to accept that you live in a lawless land, which some people are okay with, a lot of implications of that that I'm not a big fan of, or you have to accept that there is some kind of fundamental law beneath all laws, I would say, and that's the nap. It's more of a code, I would say, than any sort of like law, because again, it is, it is, it's fluid, it's subjective, it's a, it's a natural response. So, um, I think I, that's one thing I will say is that the nap is is pretty natural. It's intuitive. The nap is intuitive. It really is, uh, unless you have some kind of something that is it makes it difficult for you to be able to process a situation that's around you the nap is inherently intuitive and that's by design um or or you could maybe not say by design because that is suggesting that you know the nap is like created for you know like a, a purpose to serve us but the nap is just kind of a consequence of us existing as the beings that we are good stuff though man good stuff i will say uh i always enjoy talking about the nap I can go on some epic nap adventures and we can <laughs> we can have quite the discussion. Um again, I was supposed to have a guest on for this week's episode, but I got flaked on again. It's just kind of something that I've gotten used to at this point. And it's also probably a good thing cuz again, I'm testing all of this new setup, so you know, probably shouldn't be trying to push everything too hard. But it is good to have you all out and be having this conversation. So, um, I the one place I will say that I get the most pushback onto the nap is with uh, when when someone is like, let's say we we build up this scenario where so someone is dying of a like a curable disease, and I have the cure in my hand, and I like walk past them. I know the person. I know what their situation is i have the cure for the disease and i don't give it to them under the nap is it possible to uh consider that as a nap violation i would say no um but i've gotten into some pretty heated conversations i, I can't remember what the name of what the term is for a situation like that but it's essentially where you can prevent harm to somebody or loss of life and you don't is that a nap violation I would say in inaction is not a nap violation. It makes you a dick a little bit, but you know, what if it's like a zombie apocalypse and you're saving the cure for yourself? I can't tell you that that's a nap violation. I can tell you that I'd be sad if I if I became a zombie and you didn't cure me. I'd be sad, but I can't tell you that it's a nap violation for you not using the cure and saving it for yourself or something like that. You know, it's could it be selfish? Sure, sure. I you could sell it like that. But it's not a nap violation. There's a big difference. So, <laughs> oh Lord, we're getting flooded with angry reacts. I agree. You can be a dick and not violate the nap. Yeah, like you could, you know, you can stand out on your lawn all day and you could be like, hey, don't don't get in my lawn, kids. You know, dude, that ball, that that's my ball now. It's on my property or like, you know, something, whatever. You could be that old cranky man sits out on his lawn all the time with his sh shotgun defending his property. I a little bit, a little bit, a little bit dickish. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, you're you're 100 within your nap rights to protect your property, and and that includes the ability to protect your property from anyone who comes to challenge your ownership of it, and if they haven't you know gotten your consent to come onto your property. So I would say like yeah, no duh, like he's he's not doing a nap violation by defending his property rights. I'll say he's a dick, you know. <laughs> so. That's pretty much how it would go down. Um, and, and you would, but this is another important thing about the nap is that I think it's important in whatever world you decide to, to live in. Let's go to total fantasy land. Let's say in my case, it would be like in Kapistan. Um, this is one of the reasons why I kind of advocate for you going to an Ancapistan that is willing to track and codify and, and kind of make a, like a precedence, like a nap precedence for their township. So let's say like there's a dispute over a nap violation. Once the decision has been made, you, they, they codify it. They put it into like a document or something. And they were like, this is the nap violation. This is what happened. This is what the person did. We deemed this as an acceptable, you know, response in accordance to their nap being violated. Um, 
you can use that as precedence in the future in reference to it because sometimes it could be difficult without having a frame of reference to look at the situation that you're in and 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 being able to to demonstrate you know i'm not saying necessarily like a legal precedence because that's where you get trapped into the things like oh well nothing can change but i i would you know again i would just encourage to keep like the most rudimentary of quote unquote justice systems uh in in your township um I, I would like to find a scenario and one day if i ever come up with it i'll let you guys know that avoids the whole hatfield mccoy effect but pretty much the only way you can get around that is if you create a justice system that's as fair as possible without or uh, it's all you know enforced by contract law like if you're going to be a part of this township you're subjected to this justice system this is how you can get pulled into it or per perhaps a private court system that if mutual you know agreement is reached then it can be dealt with in a private court system i could see that being done too but again this is all stuff that you would have to enforce through contract law because through the nap and natural law you can't you can't really enforce a justice system onto anybody who doesn't consent to it which is one of the problems with the justice system today just throw that across my desk bam we just got through so much information in like a five minute time span <laughs> i'm just like a word missile today oh no here come the angry reacts what did i do this time we all read to kill a mockingbird what do we do when the justice system violates the nap see so you have to do your damn distance. Okay, so you have two options, right? Like, let's like, let's look at this from the two flip of the coin perspectives. You have like this transitarian pacifist sort of, or at least non-confrontationalist side of, of libertarianism that says like, do what you can to avoid being in the justice system to begin with. Um, you know, practice agorism, but just try try to stay out of the courts because they're, they're not going to go in your favor. Most of the time, your rights are going to get violated. Uh, just having to go pretty much is a violation of your rights. But um, once, you know, once you, uh, if you were to be put into a situation like that, you have to do what you can within the confines of the law because you can't change how the courts run in the court. Um, and then you have like the burn everything to the ground side, which, you know, this is one situation where I feel like they have some sort of merit. And it's like the only real answer to where you can be uncompromising. Like, let's say you get into a dispute with somebody and they, they take you to court or, or you get taken to criminal court. You have, you have no other option. If you want to stay completely consistent with your ideology, than a resort to violence. Cause that's going to be the only thing that gets a response, which is not good. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not going to tell somebody like, Oh yeah, well when they come to your house, just like sit out there with your shotgun. Like no, don't you'll die. you'll pro you'll die. You will probably die. You you will kill some other people and you will die. That will be your impact. Um, and that sucks. Let me tell you that that sucks. Uh, it is not a great situation to be in, and that is why I think the justice system is one of the first things that has to change because it's something that everyone is affected by and it is something that you either comply with or you get thrown in a cage and you lose all your rights at the best and you or, or you die and then you lose all your rights at the worst um, some people may feel that is a better alternative than being thrown in a cage i don't know that's a scary idea for me but yeah you know um either way neither are you know very neither very nice i'm not trying to be in either of those situations so that is something that we all have to consider if you get pulled into criminal court that is something you have to think about because of the position that we're in if you get pulled into civil court even um usually civil court has some kind of alternative to showing but even then it's bound by law like if you get if you, if you don't go to defend yourself for something you're, you're gonna see consequences for that um which is you know, you can always settle outside of court, I guess, but then that doesn't change the fact that your non-compliance to the situation could potentially get you either killed or thrown in prison. So that is always something that we have. It's a scary idea. I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many libertarians are scared of cops. Like, you know, you we could talk all day about, you know, the, the police and the situation that they put other people in and the fear that they can project and 
in some cases, even, you know, the lives that are lost by their hands and mistakes. But I think it goes even beyond that because it says, even if the cop doesn't kill me, I'm going to have my rights violated in the courts. And then I'm going to have my rights violated with the judgments. And then I'm going to have my rights violated when all that's done with, whether you lose your gun rights, you lose your voting rights, you lose whatever, you know, your freedom of movement in some cases. Um, I mean, this, these are, these are things that are big, big problems. And a lot of them stem from, excuse me. If you look at police as like the bottom tier of this issue, it goes all the way up, all the way up to the, even the SCOTUS. I mean, that's like the ultimate pinnacle. I think a lot of people would agree with the justice system, federal appeals courts. Um, I mean, from top, from bottom to top, it's, it's broken system. Broken, broken, broken. It incites fear. It incites violence. It incites a uh, this bad culture of seeking punishment for people who haven't even committed crimes. Yeah, I mean, forget no victim, no crime. Like there are people who are honestly just just hamstrung into legal decisions that they didn't consent to and wanted no part of because they were thrown into them by another party. Um, it's a, like I said, it's a system that can be abused. It is broken. It will be broken. And so to directly answer your question, what do we do when the justice system violates an app? I'm going to say, if you're a religious person, you need to pray on that one. If you're not, you need to make sure that whatever you do, you are 100% okay with any of the consequences that can come apart with that. Um, like I said, you know, call me what you want. I'm not exactly looking for death. So um, I'm not going to be sitting out in my front lawn waiting for them to come up with a warrant. That's that's not going to be that's it's not going to happen. I, I care too much about not dying for that. Um, you comply as much as you can, and when you feel like a line is crossed, if you want to protest, then do what you can. Um, I would plead the fifth as much as possible. It's one of the few rights that you still have in the justice system. Uh, don't say anything unless you believe it could exonerate you, and even then, probably better off not saying anything in a lot of cases if you're the one being pulled into court nine times out of ten unless you have like some really hard evidence it's better if you just don't say anything um if you're the one being picked up by the police pulled over the less you say the better off you are um what are the what are they the something lawyers i can't remember what they're called but they have like their rules good stuff the corruption of the justice system is added reason why I oppose the death penalty. There are a lot of reasons to oppose the death penalty. The idea that, you know, I, I, mm, mm, in this sense, you know, in, in the, the current justice system, there are a lot of reasons to oppose the death penalty. I suppose that if someone, you know, complied via contract law to a townships, like let's say you live in a township and they make like pedophilia death sentence. And they complied to that via contract law and then they went to go like diddle some kids or something. There's, you know, contract law trumps all. Uh, they, they signed that knowing full well what they were getting into. And you, gross, get away from me. Um, you know, I think most communities would stick to something like exile. Just like kick them out into the wider world or, or strip them of their rights. Um, perhaps imprisonment if they consented to something like that uh, it, through contract law. But. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I know that was kind of like a tangent that I got off onto there, but yeah, the, the corruption of the justice system is a huge issue that, that needs to be addressed. It is something that is a problem, and it is something that we have to continuously work against, really. I mean, I was going to say with, uh, but we don't have to work with it. We have to. We need to be working against it. And it's something that we always keep in mind. I would say the most agoristic thing you could do is to live outside of the law without ever coming into contact with the justice system. Because the second you get involved with the justice system, your agorism becomes extremely dangerous to your own person. That's just my two cents, though. I can't, I can't tell you how to live your life. You get to make that call for yourself. And I think that's an important thing. But you know, we, need to, we need to stay transparent as possible here. We definitely need to not, not kid ourselves and say that we're not playing with fire every single time that we come into contact with the justice system. Uh, something that you have to 
you have to understand. Um, and I, I think you see this a lot from like younger libertarians too. And this is kind of ironic coming from someone who's as young as me, but you know, they're like, feel like they're bulletproof. They go out there, they do their like, you know, second amendment expression, you know, right walks, open carry, blah, 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 blah. And they get thrown on their face and thrown in the courts and they feel like they're invincible and they're fit. They know they're right and they can do anything that they want. And then they just get screwed. They lose their gun rights. They, you know, whatever they get thrown in jail, they get fines. It's just, it's a fucking nightmare. And man, I just, you know, it's like, I, I would love for you to be able to go out and do these, these things like express your second amendment rights and to, to live the life that you want to live. But we can't do that right now. That's a problem. Um, that's a problem. I will say that of, of, of the two sides, I, I can sympathize more with the left's vision for, um, criminal justice. I think there there are some good ideas going through there as far as like minor reforms. I would not consider them end goals by any stretch of the imagination. But as far as like baby steps in the right direction, I think, you know, the pretty much the minimalization of, of nonviolent crimes is a huge step in the right direction. Um, so you know, just something to to keep in mind. What I, I, I will say is that uh you know, these things start culturally, right? It's like these kind of movements, criminal justice and stuff like that. These kind of movements start culturally. These are, we get cultural reactions. Like this is how we got body cams on the police. We didn't get body cams on the police because they wanted to put body cams on the police. We got body cams on the police because they were pretty much forced at every level to put body cams on police officers because, oh, geez. Well, my recording stopped. So it looks like I'm gonna have to download this later, but that's fine. As long as everything else is fine on your end. But yeah, they, so they didn't they didn't put body cams on police officers because they wanted to. There was one like, hey guys, like we should we should do it. No. No, nobody wanted to put at least from the inside, nobody wanted this. Um it just makes their job so much harder because in theory, if it was to be properly punished, any little infraction would be an issue. So you know, and this is almost like a Preaching to the choir. I mean, this whole episode could be taken as a preaching to the choir moment, but it's just something that you have to keep in mind. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm lecturing you guys, like oh, none of you are thinking about these things. But you know, when when people bring up stuff like the justice system and the implications that the system like this holds, like you 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 have to be extremely careful with how you tread. Because you only get one shot, man. I mean, you know, even if if you believe in in, in like an afterlife and or something like that, you only got one shot here at least. Um, and I'm not trying to waste it. So, and I would consider a life where my rights are stripped from me in most fashions. Which, granted, yes, to, to an extent they already are, but even more so. Like just forcing myself into an even more extreme form of slavery is not something that I'm trying to do. So, uh, I hate to sound like a broken record, but uh, I think I'm all talked out on the justice system, honestly. Before, so, so I'll go ahead and give my outro before everybody leaves. And I have a little announcement at the end, too. What I will say is that uh, I appreciate everybody for coming out. This was a super fun time doing this out in the open. Hopefully, we'll have a guest or at least someone to help fill some space with me so I don't have to word bullet for uh, an hour and a half but um I, I i definitely enjoyed this we'll have to do more of this um if you enjoyed the show like the facebook page join the community group i will add you as soon as i get uh as soon as i see your request however or one of the admins sees your request for the community group i post polls there topics conversations if you like this show and you want to see more um, we don't have any video formats available yet. We do have a YouTube channel and iTunes page for the podcast. We have a, uh, I think Spotify. Yeah, it's on Spotify. It's on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all pretty much anywhere you could ever want to find a podcast. You're going to be able to find it there. And if you can't, there are links on the Facebook page to get straight to whatever you need. Google play as well. If you have Android devices. Um, and so I had some conversations with some people last night. And so they convinced me to launch a Patreon for this stream. 
and I'm not going to push it onto you guys again. This is not, I'm not going to sit here and beg you for money, but, um, you know, uh, <laughs> this can get a little expensive at times, especially when you make some big purchases, which if you've, if you've been here for the whole show, I made some big purchases last night for this stream. And, uh, if you want to find it, uh, I can post a link in the chat. Uh, if you know, it, I'll, I'll post a link to it on my Facebook page as well. But again, I'm not going to push you guys for it. Um, I have a tier for a dollar on there. If you just want to throw a dollar, just to show that you appreciate the show and, uh, help out for a dollar, you know, Hey, bag of chips. I'll take it. <laughs> Keeps me fueled and energized. Um, so like I said, you know, it was not necessarily something that, uh, I, I was real, I was really hesitant to do it, but I did. So we started up a Patreon. Um, so, hey, again, like I said, completely voluntary. Don't feel like you're compelled by any means to to go and, and throw money at, at the show or anything. But, uh, you know, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I, I didn't expect for a second whenever I started doing this to even, you know, be launching a Patreon. But um, it took some convincing, but eventually I was I was it doesn't hurt is what basically they sold me on. So very fair but uh other than that it was fantastic having everyone here um we'll be doing another one next week uh, i'm looking at the potential of doing like a midweek stream it's just really hard in a lot of cases for me to do back-to-back -back streaming days which is what i used to do jesus saturday and sunday um maybe we'll do like an lmpm special on saturdays or something i don't know i still want to i still want to give some lmpm people some love since this is where we really come from um don't forget to check out Liberty Memes. Uh, like the Facebook page. There's this giant fly on my microphone. Get out of here. I'm sorry if that was loud. <laughs> Jesus, it must. It really loves me. I don't know if you guys can see this or not, but okay. I, I guess this is my cue to get out of here. Um, if, you, if you haven't heard of Liberty Memes before, go like the Facebook page, join the community group, and then give money to them. They are amazing people. They are pushing the Liberty message. You need to support them. I swear. It's one of the best investments you'll ever make. Other than that, I have nothing else for you guys. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your of your day, week, life, year, month, whatever it is, and take it easy.